Good evening, everybody. Uh, we are on our session 20, 36 Q&A. And uh, like I said in the morning, today is a very, very special day when it comes to the date. You're not going to get a date. If you are married and you are free, this is the day you should date your wife. Because you won't get a day like this. 10, 10, 20, 20. K10102020. It comes only once in eternity. <laughs> Hallelujah. It never repeats itself. So it's a super day, mm-hmm. and we thank for the questions we have, and we trust God. He will give us the wisdom to give you the answers, and uh, some of them are sad questions. And I look at some of those questions and what these children have gone through. I mean, it's hurting, but God is a healer. And God is a restorer. So before we go into the questions, Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you once again, Father, for this time that you've blessed us with, Father. I pray, Father, that you would bless this time once again. Anoint all of us, O oh Lord, to hear, to answer. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, in everything that you would have the preeminence, Your word would have the preeminence in our lives because your word says that you have exalted your word above all your name. I pray, Father, for all of us, O Lord Jesus. Grant us, O Lord, a willing spirit to receive, Father, your answer. And I pray, Father, that you bless this time together. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. So the first question is, uh, question number six, it says, what's the difference between obedience and faithfulness? Obedience and faithfulness. I was uh, tickled when I got this question. Actually, it was not a question for Q&A. Just one of the kids from Bangalore just sent me saying, Apu, what's the difference between obedience and faithfulness? So I thought, okay, that's a very good question. Why don't I put it in Q&A? Because it's a very interesting question. Because unless you have questions, sometimes we don't think on words like that. Because we think obedience and faithfulness are the same. Mm. But they are not. They are not the same. They are, they are, they should be there together. But they are not the same. They are different. Obedience, I would put it across this way. Obedience would be more to the letter of the spirit. Faithfulness, uh, letter of the law, whatever is said, while faithfulness is to the spirit of the law. You can be obedient without being faithful. In um, obedience, what matters is what was said. In faithfulness, it's not only what was said, but also the person who yes. said it. Okay, so you have both in Christ. If you look in Philippians, let's uh, uh, let's look at uh, two portions in Jesus Christ when it comes to obedience. Like we go to Philippians chapter two, right? Verse five onwards. Let this be, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Basically meaning this attitude. Who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God. 
who made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Okay. Now, if you put faithfulness over there, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the sentence gels. It doesn't, I mean, there's a discord over there. If you try to put faithfulness there, or he became faithful. Okay, no. It is obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Because when you're asked to be, asked to die on the cross, you cannot uh, go, okay, it only meant spiritually. No, it is letter of the law. You have to hang on the cross. First mm. is a man. Okay, so you have to realize obedience and faithfulness, there is a difference. He was obedient to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. Yes. Now, if you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews now, three, yes. and chapter 5, <coughs> chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So when children, when they are children, our kids are young, we have to teach them obedience. You have to teach them obedience. Obedience is fundamental. They have to. But as they grow up, once they have got the discipline of obedience, they have to learn to be faithful. Faithful. Yes. They have to know the person who is telling. It does not matter to every person. Like in, like, like in a child's life, first it is the parents. Mm. Okay? And then, after that, uh, you can skirt through almost everybody in life. You just have to be obedient to them. Your classroom teacher, the authorities outside and all. And then it comes only when you actually get married to your spouse and then when you are working to your boss. So I fundamentally put as these three sets of people which are very important in your life. Your parents as a child, your spouse and your boss. Okay, these three people are ultimately, if you look in anybody's life, that defines your life, these three people. Mm-hmm. There, you have to have both obedience and faithfulness. faithfulness. Okay, faithfulness. I have, be, I have to be obedient to the government. I don't have to be faithful. I have to be faithful to Christ. Mm-hmm. I have to, have to be faithful to Christ. And when there is a discord between obe- faithfulness, being obedient to this thing, I have to ask a question about faithfulness. Then I choose to disobey the government and obey Christ. Because the government is not a person. I don't have to understand the mind of Prime Minister Modi. I'm not even related to him. But I have to understand the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm intimately related to him. I have to understand the mind of my father. You know, you are a child, okay? So you will see, you have to be obedient and to be faithful. In faithfulness, you have other terms, synonyms like fidelity, loyalty, all coming into, which does not go into obedience. It does not come. Okay? Your classroom teacher is only expecting you to obey him. Sit down, be quiet, study, do your homework. He's not expecting anything else. But that does not apply with your father, who may use the same words in different contexts. But he expects more than obedience as you grow up. So you will see that in um, the great people in the Bible, you will see in with Joseph, he was obedient to his father and he was faithful too. 
if you are just obedient, he just had to go till shake him. Shake him. But he was faithful, so he went to Dotham. Dotham. Okay, that's the whole thing. Okay, so God prospered him under Potiphar because he was not just obedient; he was faithful. Hmm. And his master saw. He said, "This guy is not really." Obedient. He probably had lots of obedient slaves in the household, but he realized this guy is more than obedient. He is faithful. He looks out for my best interests. Therefore, I am prospering. Because that's faithfulness. In faithfulness, you always look out for the best interests of the person for whom you are working. So you have lots of obedient employees in companies or what, like private managements or whatever. But you need to be more than that. So when it comes to work, also Scripture says in Hebrews chapter five, Moses was a faithful servant. Okay, and uh, Jesus was faithful as a son. Moses is also called an obedient servant. So these people were all obedient and faithful. And it is not enough for us to be obedient enough, okay? Because the great commendation of Jesus Christ in Luke 19 and verse 17 to that servant. Okay? 19:17. Well done, my good servant, because you were faithful. What was he? He was faithful. And if you come a little lower, okay, little lower, he was, he was obedient and he was faithful. Right? But if you come to the third servant, hmm, and verse 20, the, another servant came and said, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, reap what you did not. So, this guy is obedient. He didn't waste it. He didn't drink it. He didn't, was not a profligate. He didn't throw away like the prodigal son or anything. You gave me one mina, here is your mina. But God said, you are not faithful. I told you to occupy till I come. So you were not faithful to my command. Okay. I did not lose anything. I gave you only one. Hmm. I didn't lose anything because of you. But neither did I gain anything from you. Okay. Gain anything. Okay. So that's what Jesus is talking about. Even in the ten lepers case, you will realize ten were obedient. One was faithful. (laughs) He was obedient and faithful. And their obedience brought healing. healing. Faithfulness brings wholeness. Okay, so that's the difference between obedience. So we have to look at Jesus. He had both. We have to say, Lord, make me obedient and make me faithful. Okay, the world system is okay with obedience. Okay, they they are not looking at you no know, that faithfulness part. They just saw outward keeping of the law. That's all there. But God demands more than that from us. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Because I think it's uh, because you mentioned Luke 19. Mm. Question number 7 says, mm. We have heard that in heaven we'll, we will reign and accordingly God may give us 10 or 20 or number of cities to rule. Mm. My doubt is, why will there be any need to reign in heaven and on whom will we reign? Okay, this is a, this is, uh, this is a, uh, I mean, the question, uh, who wrote this, I forget, I mean, I don't remember who sent this question. We are getting it wrong. In the first place, there are no cities in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you turn to Revelation chapter 21, because there are a few questions connected, 
I think, with eternity. Also, say, question number eight, eight also. also. We can read seven and eight. Because and my, sec- con- my second doubt is that I have heard a preacher say that the only, that the only earthly thing that we, uh, that will go with us to heaven is our tears hmm. and also the memories. Okay. So okay. I'm sorry. I'm not discrediting that preacher, but, uh, he's not fully correct. A lot of things that go with us to heaven. Okay, if you turn to Revelation chapter 21, okay. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So that's gone. Hmm. Okay, so everything is changed. New heaven is changed. It's a new earth. So we do not know what the new creation is like. Or that's what I said. Much of our investment mm. in exploring outer space is a total waste Beautiful. of time because the whole thing will just disappear in one day. You are investing in something that is not going to be there. I wish these people spend money in um, studying the Bible. They would realize all this astronomy, all that is a waste of time because the whole thing will go away. I saw a new heaven and a new earth and for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Okay? Then verse 2. Look at verse 2. I saw the holy city, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, if you look at it, this is what? In between, there is an interim period of a thousand years, but we are looking at the final end of everything and the new creation. There is this earth, new earth. So, uh, we don't know the diameter or what you call the area of this new earth. We only know of the old earth. New mm. earth, we do not know how mm. big it is. We have no clue. Mm. Okay, What is the nature of the new heaven? We do not know. It's given. New heaven, a new earth, and this city coming. Now, I believe the entire universe is going to be lighted by the glory of this city. Mm. Okay, Glory of this city. I don't know whether it is going to come down to earth and actually land or it is going to be something like midair because we know everybody can like fly meaning you don't need to walk or no you can just the way jesus walked in and walked out mm. and like that's a new body you are going mm. so we have to think completely differently mm. okay mm. now there is a new earth there's a new heaven there's a new city now we will if you come down to verse 22 to 24 Before that, the entire, um, this thing, um, it's like around 15, 1,400 miles. That is 2,200 kilometers. Okay, that is its uh, its length of that city. Okay, I believe it's like a pyramid. Okay, I think it's like a pyramid. Okay, it's it's not a cube. I don't know. I think it's, it's more like a pyramid. Okay, so the city is shown over there and says, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. temple. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine it for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. So you see nations down on earth. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. So we will also see a whole lot of people will go into the new planet Earth. I believe in their millions, billions. And there will be nations and cities and all. And then there is this city over this city. The bride of Jesus Christ. So in eternity, the bride of Jesus Christ 
who are the, composed of the overcomers are the ones who are going to reign. Because government is always there. When you are talking about reigning, it's talking about government. And government is always there. There always has to be government. Even now there is a government. God has his archangels and cherubim. So they are his governing angels. They are handling everything for him. He doesn't interfere. His Holy Spirit is there, but he governs using his angels. In the same way, angels will come under the saints, the overcoming saints, because the Bible says, aren't us supposed to rule over the saints. So my understanding, I mean, understanding is my fantasy is this. Let us say Peter gets ten cities. He will have other saints under him and he will have an entire group of angels also to help him out in the governing. And it is like no crime, no nothing at all. It's just the government of God. And what it is like, we can only imagine. And our imagination, no, it will defy our imagination. So people will ask, why is there need to reign? Yes, it's basically, it is government. Because everybody would not have reached the same level of maturity of Christ. So then, the others, like we know Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, and the large group of people that is going to get in, will be this. Now I say that the heir, every son of a king is an heir. Okay, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's a master of all. Okay, so most of the people who will enter into heaven will enter as children, not in age, spiritual maturity. They will enter as children, and children uh, uh, cannot be given, though technically they are heirs, they cannot be given responsibility. Okay, they cannot be given responsibility, and we see this pattern throughout the Bible. If you look at uh, the temple, the tabernacle, 11 tribes only could uh, be in the outer courts. One tribe could go into the holy place and one family of one person could go into the holy place. So there is a division even there itself. You come to Gideon's, if you want to put 32,000 outer courts, 10,000 holy place, 300 most holy place, if you look at that division. You look at Elijah, 7,000 who have not bowed their, bend their knee to Baal, 100 prophets hidden in a, in a cave, and many of them martyred, and one man who will stand alone, okay? So you will see these pictures. So you will always real, I mean, I'm not, um, getting into mystics, but just as an aside, I've said that also a long time ago. One of the greatest, in Christian mystics are also there. One of the greatest Christian mystics was, of course, from India. His name was Sadhu Sundar Singh. And Sadhu Sundar Singh says that spiritually, in spiritual realm, heaven is divided into seven realms. Seven realm. Okay. And he says the one at the top is able to come down to two, three, four, five, six, seven and fellowship. Two is able to come to three, four, five, six, seven and fellowship. Three is able to come to four, five, six and seven. It's simply because of spiritual maturity. And if you look at it, it is true, right? Imagine you are a father with seven children. One is 25 and the youngest is two years old. Can't the father fellowship with all of yes. them? Is it the same? Mm. It is not the same. It is not the same. It is not the same. And that is why we constantly say, look, this is this race we are running. Race we are running. It's not about reigning. It's more about knowing. Yes. Okay. You mm. want to, I mean, you want to enjoy eternity to the extent. 
I do not, I cannot presume anything outside the Bible, but you, know, you can think, maybe in eternity people will grow, okay, all kinds of things will happen, you know, God is good, He's good all the time, and people will grow, and things, it takes, it will take an eternity to grow, <laughs> okay, we do not know, but anyway, it's always better to go to heaven than to hell, there's no two things, so even if you enter as a child, be sure that you are a child of God. Make sure that you are a child of God. So that's what. And then about things going to heaven is only your tears. It is not true. Jesus said actually, and he meant it, that you can store your riches in heaven. Mm. He said you can store your riches. That's not putting a bank deposit or gold or silver. He says you can actually buy your life. So we have to look at has in the Bible. What is true riches? What is, what will be counted as true riches in heaven? So one we already saw in Luke 19, 17. God said, yeah, let's put that again, once again. I like that word, 17, 19. He said, well done. So the first thing is that whatever God asks you to do, do it well. Don't be a sloppy worker. Mm. Do it well. Okay. Simple things I remember in my mind is that when you mop a house, mop the corners. <laughs> okay, that's doing it well. Doing it well. Okay. Like the father telling the son, Did you, I told you to clean your room and he took the top of the door. But he said, son, the father asked the son, but is in the top of the door part of your room? Mm-hmm. I said, the room. Mm. I said, the room. Okay, so the Bible actually talks about on the day of Jesus coming that if we allow God and we cooperate, He will keep our spirit, soul, and body, and body. Okay, so He says, "Well done, well done, sabash," like in Hindi, sabash, well done. So the first thing is that riches you can carry into heaven is that you learned how to do things well. Okay. To your ability. God will never ask you anything beyond your ability. Please understand that. We don't ask a class one child to crack a class two sum. No, and God is greater than that. So to your ability, do well, whatever it is given. And especially when nobody is watching. So it becomes part of you. Part of you. That you always do well, whatever it is. No, I like people who cook for themselves and do well. No, you're not in a restaurant and you're not cooking for anybody. But you say, you know what? When I cook, I cook well. It's a habit. I cook well. And you wash dishes? Wash dishes. Like in my house, it's my job to wash dishes in the evening here and there. And I don't like other people washing dishes. I just leave it there. Because I have my way of doing things. And then you come in between, wash two dishes, you mess it up. Because I want my plates like this. I want my spoons down there so that the the water drains out. That in the morning when I wake up in the first, when I'm taking those things, everything is dry. You leave one like this, you leave one like this. Then in the morning I have to wipe them all dry. And I have my way of doing it. And when I come back in the morning, I realize always the order works. Everything is dry. I can stack it all back in place. Okay? And this is not one day you learn it. After some time in anything, even if it is something menial, Something that is menial. You can do it well. That's what he's talking about, little things. So when he's talking about, he did things well in little things. He was a good servant. He was not a bad servant. He was a good man. He had a character too. He had integrity. He was a good person. Okay? When Jesus said, um, good master, he said, don't call me good. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, the good God is telling the servant, you're a good servant. 
So it is not we are looking at how efficient you are in your company. God looks for more than that. What kind of a person are you? What kind of a person did this work well? Company doesn't evaluate you there. He only looks how well you did your work. Mm. Okay, how well you did your work. So here, you know, he says he's a good servant. That's the riches I can take it to heaven. And third thing you have ever said, you are very faithful in little things. In that one line itself, there are three things I can carry to heaven if I work on it. These are the riches you can carry. And God says, you are stacking up. You are stacking. You can. And it will take a lot of trouble, a lot of effort, a lot of integrity, and uh, like a lot of stuff which you work on. Work Like I, like I used that example last time also. Like Michelangelo, one of the greatest artists, sculptors in human history, is working on it and... Uh, and one guy, he was passing by, one of his friends said, uh, the nose looks a little. And seven or eight or nine hours later when he's coming by, he's still working on that nose. Still working on that nose, you know, that, that detail into which. Today it is very easy to do anything, go onto the computer, graphics come out and this thing. Those guys who did not do any graphics. Those guys were extremely, extremely good in what they 3D did. Printing you know? we have yeah, today 3D printing, all kind of stuff is there. You know? Like they say one of the greatest speakers ever. Thank, it's sad it is that no recording where those days was a guy called, if I'm right, a senator called Cicero in the Roman Senate a thousand or two thousand years ago. Okay, They said he stood in front of his mirror and for every speech he practiced Hundreds of times. And people just flocked in to hear him give his speech in the Senate because he was so good. He practiced and practiced every tone, intonation, everything he practiced over and over. He's dead and gone. He's a Gentile. But he's still remembered in history as one of the greatest orators ever. Mm. Okay? Mm. So that's what you're talking about. Well done. Good servant. And you were? Faithful. Uh, Faithful. I only told about three. I didn't tell about the fourth one. The fourth one actually comes before faith. Authority. He never forgot that he was a servant. Yes, he was a servant. Yeah. For servant. He was a servant. Okay? Because there is another guy who was a servant. As soon as the master is gone, he acts like the master. He beats up everybody. And God will say, bring him and cut him into pieces and throw him out. <laughs> okay? He forgot who he was. That mm. he only has. A servant is somebody who always remembers, I only have delegated authority. I am a steward of somebody else's resources. This is not mine. This is not. My life is not mine. My body is not my mind. My breath is not mine. My resources is mine. I am just a servant. So Jesus is not ashamed to be called the servant of God. No? God's servant. And therefore he says, I will only do what he says. I will only do what I see him doing. He's a servant. And that's what the Bible is talking about. So in one line, you will realize who will reign. Mm. Okay. And these are the riches, not just your tears. Yes, tears go over there, but that's your cry, not over your sorrows and mistakes. Basically, your cry over the will of God and the kingdom of God and the salvation of people. More than that, you take it over. All these riches you can store up in heaven. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Before we tackle some tough questions, there's another practical question which I think it would be good for you okay. to answer. It's question number can five. Can put this for a, oh, for a little yes, one yes. there? Question number five says, how can you manage time and be a Christian? (laughs) When teenagers go to school and how do they balance the world and their Christian life? We protect our children, but we still fail. 
raise them up to be uh, raised up so protective and when they are in college they fail exposed to the world and they seem to love it how do we handle this first thing how to handle it if you are a parent of a small child homeschool especially if you are anywhere in the world if it is allowed by law maybe europe doesn't allow it because they think because you want you fought for the right to abort your children god says okay the government says okay your children are ours we will tell you what to do with who survive the abortion table that's what happens but in other places i would always tell parents as far as possible in those first 10 years of their schooling try now to homeschool them because they don't got exposed to junk see what is the what is the enormous struggle today we face with the church with the church it's because of the proliferation of false doctrines it's so difficult to preach because first you have to take the junk out of their heads and clean their minds out and then put the right thing in and it's almost an impossible task almost an impossible once a wrong habit has gotten got in a wrong doctrine has got in and what happens is you send them to school the minds will get the schools are not in our hands and most of the teachers most of the teachers especially let us talk about us the entire te- teachers union are left is radicals most of them yes they are not conservative they are not conservative in most states the teachers union the unions okay you need to understand they are radical leftists most of them and these are on indoctrinated people who will try to make our children into atheists like pastor vijay was preaching a few days back and he was talking about he says yes you hear about creation you go to church and hear that and then you go over there to classroom and they beginning with evolution then if you evolved if you evolved then everything changes and you need to realize what has happened Uh, that's that's what destroyed christianity basically destroyed christianity and that's what is happening over there you see when this this darwin's theories started entering into the into the bible colleges they also started discounting this as the word of god mm. yes absolutely mm. that meaning this is also an evolving mm. document mm. absolutely mm. evolving document meaning it changes with the times mm. okay that the writer does not have any memory so that is how the reader response theory comes in literature meaning the readers response is what matters the writers does not that is okay with a novel it is not okay with this mm. It is not okay with this you need to understand how far it has gone how far it has gone so the bible colleges started discounting the authority of god's word god says i do not change my word is for settled in the heavens heaven and earth will pass away not even a lot they don't believe in it anymore so they use culture that is changing to read the bible so the bible texts can be interpreted according to the culture that's how homosexuality and all entered into the church and when the american constitution was written they were written by believers mm. they were all believers very strong and all it is in the entire american constitution is a reflection of christian and judaic values okay so now if you look at the supreme court of us it is divided into two groups it is conservatives and the liberals the conservatives 
think this is an original text, mm-hmm. the constitution. It cannot be interpreted. interpreted. Yes. You have to make rulings according to it. The liberal says it is a evolving text. That is the battle that is going to start next week about Amy, uh, Amy Barrett. It's going to start because what is Trump, President Trump trying to do? He's trying to appoint what is called originalists to the court that it does not change with truths, does not change with time. But when you have the other group in, then they will say marriage also definition changes. It's no longer between a man and a woman. See, it started with the Bible, entered into the Bible colleges, entered into the corridors of the Congress Senate, it went into the Supreme Court, and suddenly you are realizing that this is discredited. So now man is God. Man is God. That's the confusion that you see in the, in the world, in the church. The confusion you see in Christian countries, the absolute confusion. So when you are looking at these questions, you need to realize where are they coming from? What do you want your child to be? Okay. See, the simple thing for a parent to do is before, first, I always say, first you should ask yourself, Lord, should I get married or not? Mm. Honestly. Okay. Because personally, if I ask, if you ask me, I always say that I shouldn't get married. Why? Because you don't understand the responsibilities of a family. Most of the, like William Bendick, when British were ruling in India, he abolished uh, child marriage. But if you go by scripture, if most of the people are still children, spiritually, it's children who are getting married. Children giving birth to children. Children raising children. Children raising children. Okay, This never happened in the past. In the past, the entire society was home-oriented. Was home. The Jewish culture under the law was home oriented. It was a home. And it was very, very clear. That's for people who do not know. Look at what God says, Deuteronomy 6. Yeah, Deuteronomy 6. Look at how entirely home oriented. So this is, this is not just the law, this is the spirit of the law. Words 4 onwards. Yeah, 1 onwards. It's incredible, the society. Because you have to look at education that way. Because the question about education. Now, this is the commandment and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. Mm. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. Remember, in Psalm 78, we saw your generation to generation, generation. even to the unborn. Mm. When they did not do that, the next generation went away and They were kings in their own eyes. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you and you and your son, your grandson, all the days of your life that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Look at verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, 
shall bind them as a sign on your hands. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Yeah. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay. Look at it. It's an entirely home-oriented society mm-hmm. in the Bible. And this is what the parents, the father was supposed to pass on to the children, the heart and the mind of God. That was considered education. And out of that, everything else came. Everything. This was education. You could be artisans, you could be artists, you could be craftsmen, you could be anything. But this was education. It did not matter if you thought math, but this was your philosophy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because everybody has a philosophy of life. Precisely. Mm. Everybody has a philosophy of life. Mm -hmm. This was their philosophy of life. That everything is centered on God and God is a father and it's a home-oriented society. The home was the most important unit. Mm. Okay? And that's where education comes. And then what happens when it goes away, how do you happen? Now you are trying to Basically put out fires. Fighting forest fire. Okay. So the question is, how can you manage time and be a Christian? No. The question is that you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, time will manage on its own. You don't detach anything from your Christianity. Christian is who you are. Mm -hmm. If you look at Jesus Christ, he was the busiest person for the three and a half years on his life. The greatest task ever commissioned to a man. He had time. Hmm. He had time. He'd never ask, Lord, I'm sorry. Just give me five. He said, it's finished. <laughs> it's finished. On time. <laughs> on time. Finished. Okay. I mean, imagine what he was called to do. And the, 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 and he, he managed his time. Hmm. But the fact is that if you manage your time without being a Christian, it is irrelevant. Hmm. It's irrelevant. First thing you need to realize that I am called to be a Christian. Okay, it was in Antioch. In the they were called. Okay, there was the first Bible yeah. college in the Bible was in Antioch mm-hmm. in the New Covenant, and there uh, they were Christians. And if you have brought them through this process, a process, okay, and what happens is now, of course, children. I mean, we also have to look at the other picture. Children have gone out and they have messed up and everything, and they got saved and they have come back. You are saved, come back. Find a very good church. When I mean I'm a good church, I mean a good church is a teaching church. Hmm? It's a teaching church. Okay? You need a good church because a church is a place where people are taught about the kingdom of God. The major part of Jesus' ministry was teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. He used the law and explained them the kingdom of God and on the day of Pentecost, when the church started, they could teach the doctrine. Mm. This is how the kingdom of God. For 40 days after he uh, rose from the dead, he still taught about the king. The kingdom of God has its own ethos, mm. its philosophy, its lifestyle, everything. He taught them that. And that is what we pass on to the people. It's only when we pass that on to our children and they get it and they start living it, they will actually truly believe, I'm an alien, I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim in this world. I'm sent out for a purpose. I'm just passing through. Then only they will get it. If they don't get it, you still will struggle with your citizenship in heaven. Mm. You'll be always a split person, worshipping God and worshipping Baal. And it won't work. Yes. Because we have to fundamentally change what education is. Education is this. Mm. 
but we have not. We think education is what we are teaching our children in school and in college. No, it is not that. You see, they will learn math, physics, chemistry, biology. That is not what is education. They are also learning humanism. Yes, yes. It's a compulsory course. It's in, a, yeah. it's I a, mean, without it's even knowing it from the teacher's actions, words, everything, humanism is being put. That human is mm. what is important and not God. Mm. Okay. So they will learn all these subjects with the philosophy of humanism which is an offshoot is all the other isms, or you can learn the subjects with the philosophy of God and oh, his kingdom. Yes. That's the key. So if you are saved, you have come back. It's not going to be easy. It's hard work. It's a hard work. It would mean throwing up everything, getting rid of all the stuff, making very solid, looking at eternity and what is promised, but this thing, I'm not going to watch this. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to read this. Let people call you anything. When you go into these IITs or something, if you lock yourself and study, nobody calls you a party pooper. Like Pastor Vijay was saying, he walked around the Chinese. Right? Because mm. he looked, the Chinese are getting 100%. Where do they get this 100%? Let me walk around and find their secret in the university. Okay. <laughs> and nobody at that level at the university, I mean, imagine when I was at IFLU. If you sat in the library, and often we sat in the library during summer because it was cooler in the library, but if you sat in the library and read from morning, as soon as the library opens, you get in, and 8 o'clock it used to shut. If you sit in this, and then there was this huge American Studies Research Center in Osmania University. We had membership. These are two places we had membership. I mean, you go there, sit there morning to evening. Nobody considered you weird. Mm-hmm. Nobody considered. They thought you were normal. You're a PhD student. You see, it does not matter what the world says. You need to be normal according to the kingdom norms. Mm. What does the kingdom king expect? Okay, what the king expect? I don't see Jesus going around doing things. You will see everywhere he goes, he's got an absolute kingdom mission oriented. Mm. He will go into a, they will call him to eat and you will see salvation taking place there. You will go into another place, you will see another man surrendering to Jesus. He is very, very clear. You call me at your party, something is going to happen. Amen. <laughs> you will have a kingdom encounter over here. Otherwise, I am not coming. I am not coming. Okay, I am not coming. No, I am not coming. Mm. So, I am not saying you shouldn't go for any of these things. But wherever we go, we take the kingdom along. For that, you need to be a kingdom person. And that's for me what education is. I know I upset a lot of people. I am not upset about it. It's a choice I made. It's a choice we make. Okay, You, you define your entire life according to the kingdom of God and you decide. I'm going to change. So we protect our children, but they still fail. Yes. But you also have to look into the word of God and look at children who did not fail. Mm. So if you are a parent of a very small child, then look, Samuel did not fail. Mm. That's one kid whose record we have from weaning all the way. Mm. Yes, yes. That guy did not fail. I mean, imagine his gumption in his old days, he stand and call entire Israel and says, did I take anybody's? Can you find any fault in me? Everybody said no. The only thing he failed is that his children did not follow him. Okay. Look at Joseph. Did he fail? No. You look at Daniel. Did he fail? No, they did not fail. So it is, you look at, why are these examples there in the Bible? Because as a parent, as a believing parent, and as believing parents, you need to look in the Bible and say, it is possible mm. to raise Amen. up a child 
who does not have to fail. Yes, yes. We are both, we are both in this one thing. Mm-hmm. But if the parents are divided, it's not possible. It's impossible because the child will only go with the worldly parent. But the child is born and shaped in iniquity. Yes. It is carnal. It's flesh. If there is a division, that's why I said, if you are a little carnal and not very spiritual, be wise like Elkanah. Be wise like Elkanah. Elkanah understand this wife of mine is spiritual. It's okay. I'm going to Shiloh. You stay back. You handle Samuel. You need to be wise. You need to be wise. You need to be wise. Otherwise, the best thing is to spiritual parents. Raising up a child. The child will, will be successful. We are raising up our children not to be successful in the world. To be considered successful by God. And if they fail, okay, there is always room. Okay, please don't worry then, of course, I fail. What happened? You get up and you start back and like David, you can still finish well. David is one young man who grew up without mentors. If you look at that's why David's life is different. David is a guy who did not have mentors. Don't have mentors. Okay, when he's later in his old age, he has a Nathan in his life. But that is not needed by then. Mm-hmm. You need mentors when you are young. You will see he's discarded in his family. His father doesn't even consider him good enough to be in the greatest occasion that will take place in his house. He's in the wilderness looking after sheep. So you will know he's a discounted child. His brothers look down upon him, everything. So he had no mentors at all. So I still believe, I don't know what was the culture then, Jewish culture. Maybe there was a synagogue or whatever. I don't know where he heard the law of the Lord. Whatever he heard, wherever he heard it from him as a child, he took it into his heart. And he believed in it. And in the wilderness, he walked in it. So you can be also what we call in the kingdom of God, a self-trained person. Mm -hmm. God is for you. God is with you. God is, doesn't the Bible say in that place, uh, Kings or Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord are... First Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16. Yeah. 16. Concurrence is 1620. You need to, these are the things that gives us incredible hope. His eyes are always roving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, looking for one person. And he saw David. Nobody saw David. He saw Saul praying in his blindness. Got it, Sammy? So parents, young people, children, everybody, these are all incredibly uplifting verses in the Bible. Because somebody, some people will say, nobody sees me. No, Six, okay, nobody, nobody appreciates me. But you see, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Look at that. We know. There's so many testimonies. God tells Samuel, I found a man after my own heart. Right? God asked Satan, did you see my boy job? Did you see my boy job? God looks. And Ines has no clue at all what has happened. He says, that man is praying. So there is a God who watches. And that should give us. And it doesn't matter if nobody sees me. I don't, I like I said, no. Uh, you can play to the audience of one. There is always one that is God. That is God. And we have to teach our children. Okay, you have fallen, you have failed. It does not matter. It does not matter. Okay, we will, we will ask, you read David's Psalms 
And those are incredible psalms. This is a guy who cried out his eyes before God in secret. And then God said, write it down. Tell Asaf to write a song about your tears. Now, how he grieved over his mistakes. Nobody, if he hadn't written it, we would never have known it. But God saw it and he said, it's so good. It has to be recorded for eternity. You are the kind of repentant sinner I want to showcase to the world. This is what repentance is. This is what a man who loves me when he falls does. He will fail. Everyone will fail. Everyone will fall. But when they fail and fall, how do you rise up, David? You are that man. Hallelujah. Some of Mm. the Psalms, one of the Psalms I was reading in the morning, it's stunning Psalms. Stunning, stunning, stunning Psalms. You look at this man's heart, you look at God, you look at this man and you understand why God said, this is a man after my own heart. That's what God is talking about. He's showing. So we have to teach our children also, when you fail, first, see that you can grow up without really, really failing in major big areas. Small mistakes we all make, big areas. If you fail, this is you how you rise up. Look at the ones who hardly failed, Joseph, Daniel, Samuel, Samuel, and then also look at David, who failed and finished well. Approved by God, he fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. You have to look at both of them. And that's how you educate our children. Hmm. Yes. Hallelujah. Pastor, you want to take the tough questions? Well, we have to take the tough questions. You want to talk, talk from three or you want to... I will go to one and then go from there. Okay. It says, my husband is generally a nice person. So be happy. He is godly, takes care of me, reasonably okay. <laughs> happy because all the calls I get is that my husband is not generally, is normally not a nice person. But so from the time we have been quoting, he has hardly been appreciative of me and in fact very critical of what I do. I feel bad when I'm overlooked for something and when someone else get, does, does it, he's very appreciative of them. I know we don't do things to seek for glory from men. So, am I wrong to expect my husband to appreciate me? No, you are not wrong. You are not. It's a, it's a, it's a very common thing in families. I don't know why it happens, but <laughs> I also believe. I mean, I also believe. You see, it is easy for a husband, a man, to appreciate some other woman because expectations are in there. Mm. Expectations are in there. Okay. Now, if he had married the same woman whom he appreciated as another woman, he probably wouldn't appreciate her. Let us say, let us say, what a simple example, let us say about, you know, this, who are this couple is, I know, but who are these people are, you know, know in the sense I know their names because they come to me in letters. So let us imagine, let us use Pastor Vijay as Bakra, okay? Pastor Vijay and Jasant. Okay, Pastor Vijay and Jasant. So let us say Jasant makes a chicken curry. He eats, doesn't say anything. Okay, and let us say somebody else in the church made chicken curry, some other sister in the church, and send it for Pastor Vijay. And he says, oh, it is so yummy, it is so tasty. Mm. Jasant gets upset. <laughs> okay. Now, one of the reasons somebody will say that it is because it's a different taste. Now, if you are fed the same thing every day, I mean, if he had married that other sister and she cooked the same thing, he wouldn't appreciate her at all. It's not that he doesn't appreciate. It's accepted. Right? I mean, 
I don't, I don't know whether I'm as a man, whether I should, because all us men sitting over here. I'm not saying that you should not appreciate. But what I'm saying is that, what I'm saying is, how do I put it across? Men should learn to say that to their wives. Like I tell, I mean, honestly, I will tell. I'm a mallu. I can't change that. My tongue is mallow. The rest of me is British. Okay? <laughs> my tongue is mallow. Because British, American, my mind, thinking, everything, literature, everything. My tongue is mallow. I can't change it. Because if I cut it off, then how do I eat? So I can't change it. Uh, so, when my wife cooks, she will say, honey, do you want it? I said, put a little. Just taste it. But I will always tell, my wife is one of the best cooks. Just because I don't like, I am not used to her cuisine, does not make her a bad cook. Mm-hmm. She's an Excellent cook. And everybody who loves Western cuisine says her cooking is out of this world. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so, there are two things. If I don't eat what she cooks, it does not mean I don't appreciate her cooking. Mm-hmm. So, two different things. Okay? Now, if I had been born, like our children were born in this generation, eating pasta and pizza and spaghetti and shepherd's pie and all those things, maybe I would also have used to it. And if I had it been what I am today and been the same age, another person, I would have probably enjoyed. But right now, I am so fixated on God's kingdom. I am not going to change in areas where it is a waste of time and effort and energy. It's not worth it. Mm. It's simply not worth it. I'm just I'm so stuck on it. I'm not going to waste time on eating different kinds of things and no, then your taste buds starts moving in different directions. I don't want to go that route again. There's no time. I know we all have limited time and I'm looking at you. I have less time than all of you because I'm the oldest in the group. So I've just taken that out of the window. I'm not going to bother. Okay, I'm not going to bother about it. So we need to understand this difference. Okay. So when a husband does not say anything, it does not mean he doesn't appreciate. But when the husband says something to somebody else, it is expected. Mm. No? Imagine some sister cooks for us and sends it and we say nothing. We always say thank you. How was it? Even if it was not nice, we say it is nice. You know? Not me, not me, okay? Not me. I don't do that. I don't do that. So I'll always say, do you want uh, flattery or honesty? Flattery and honesty. And especially, I mean, not, I don't judge Western cooking. I only judge uh, Indian, that to South Indian cooking. The sad part of it, South Indian cooking for people who cook and bring it to me is that I'm an excellent South Indian cook. I can cook all the 101 dishes on my own. So don't try to tell me, if you ask me, how is it? I say, it's good. Oh, it's only good. Yeah, it's only good. That's all. But if it's excellent, I will tell you it is excellent. And if I tell you it is excellent, it is excellent. Because mm-hmm. I, I tasted my grandmother and all of them. Boy, they were excellent cooks. So, see, we shouldn't fish for appreciation also. Okay, appreciation, huh? Like, especially Pastor Vijay. Justin knows Pastor Vijay makes nice macking sounds and all when he eats. So that is the sound of appreciation. Okay. So don't be upset about, you see, when others do it for, you know, what, whether it is, I'm just using a cooking, but, uh, I don't know about other stuff. 
first first what does what does person mean when she says mm. uh takes care of me reasonably okay what does it mean to be reasonably okay how do See, you every every you every, every person has expectations and one thing you know every time i have this counseling sessions it is it is miserable sessions which i try to avoid postpone and i have no choice what happens is you no know, the 20th 21st generation of people their expectations are from movies and books hmm. it's not on based on god's reality god's reality okay so a lot of expectations are mills and boon lived happily ever after fairy tales and all that's only happens in heaven jesus yes. and his bride will live happily ever after no influence of sin no temptation no satan nothing so when people are talking about it is got to do with expectations okay it is got to do with xp he's godly takes care of me reasonably okay you know now you need to realize that hmm. husbands are called to take care of i will tell you this i will tell you real life examples think about a girl now a man and a girl okay think about a man and a woman married this girl comes from a functional home not dysfunctional home father was good mother was good everything was taken care of things were honky dory no issues at all and she comes over here imagine a man comes from a home which was dysfunctional so he craves for a home and he does everything to make the home happy but for her it is a normal mm-hmm. she doesn't even see his effort as sacrifice she is used to it mm-hmm. okay so she doesn't appreciate okay reverse the scenario he comes from a normal house and she comes from a dysfunctional house so she goes out of her way to do things but for him it is the norm mm. it is the norm that is why i am saying sometimes you need to sit and talk and think about where does this person come from what does that person come from and all no people and now because people are all coming from primarily dysfunctional homes people don't even know what a home is what a home is what a husband is what a wife is they don't even study and meditate upon the word of god to understand the lessons of what all these things are and then expectations are sometimes reasonable and it is not met sometimes they are unreasonable and they are not met and there is disappointment mm. okay disappointment but ultimately you need to realize it's not a, it is not a cop out it is not an excuse ultimately you realize it's only one who can meet you your expectations it is god that does not involve accept uh, direction of duty your husband has a duty the wife has a duty don't bring humanism feminism all these isms one so many people do not know their minds have been colored by these isms and they bring it into the home bring it to the home and they get see when these isms get into your hand you start getting dissatisfied dissatisfied i'll tell you because this is a family thing even if you don't deal with the other severe ones let me tell you this is a real story if i'm right it came from texas long time ago one small community all happy small families i mean small small houses families church that's how old societies were no you have church everything is centered around that and then oil exploration began yeah hmm over that mm-hmm. suddenly people started striking gold which mm-hmm. okay almost 
everybody's land had gold as oil except one family so suddenly everybody became millionaires overnight literally and one family remained the way they were 20 or 30 years later they did a study on all those five or 10 households where the oil was found they found nine of those households had broken apart parents got divorced children went into drugs everything fell apart only one family stayed stable is the family where they had no oil they remained stable they remained the same lifestyle they moved out of that area moved because that whole thing was gone gone so they moved out but their life was stable so we need to realize some of our expectations are all picked up from the world from the world okay it is from the world and we get upset okay and so men also don't do what they are supposed to do and they i mean like you know that is what i was talking about from a long time we preached about jesus talking about the call of duty mm, yes we are duty bound, bound. yes we are duty bound so men have their duty women have their duty and uh, you don't let your fluctuating emotions mess mess up your duty when you are in the army they don't ask you how are you feeling <laughs> okay how are you feel okay. what do you feel today the sergeant doesn't ask you okay but this is not an army this is a home it's an intimate relationship so feelings matter but even when feelings are not working properly duty will overrule overrule this okay that's why it's saying a reasonably you okay. know whatever okay and all but he's very appreciative of them when someone else does it when i am overlooked for something so i mean it is a general thing so i cannot get into it unless i know what it is specifics and if it is always then there is an i mean always you have i mean especially with us pastors we face i mean not just we too in the sense but pastors face this flack because pastors have to always meet people and you always you are always kind to all the other women but what can we do with the other women <laughs> the other women we have no choice but be kind to them and this thing you know like you know uh, like what i tell my wife you are the only one with whom i have the license to be what i am like we say let your head down i can be angry with you i can shout at you i cannot not talk with you i can all that you know why because you are part of me the all the others have to put on like even if you are upset you have to put it in especially with ladies and today's ladies and men are also like today there are hardly men left because this whole lgbtq thing has emasculated men you know specified past yeah they're all sissies you know that's why this whole i mean it's this very few i mean that's what has happened the entire process of this is to take the men out the masculinity out masculine that part has gone out you know so you have to be careful how you talk to both the men and old days you could shout at men they were never bothered mm. today you have to be very careful they may be hurt <laughs> <laughs> i was looking at this change from my life childhood to hmm? <laughs> a lot of mess <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Today you have to be so careful with boys. No? Nobody, my father was never careful with me. He said it, you did it. That's it. Otherwise, you got it. Okay, they are never worried about your feelings and all. Now it's all psychology. You have to always like, you know. But in the process, what has happened is, we really do not know what people expect in a marriage anymore. Yep. But expectations have all gone. Expectations have gone. So that is my answer to both the man and the woman is, come back to the kingdom. Yes. yes. When you come back to the kingdom, that means you're gung-ho about the kingdom alone. The kingdom unit is the home. Kingdom unit is the home. Come back to that unit. Read the Bible and see what the man is, the husband is, the father is. Read the Bible, see what the wife is, the mother is, and fit into that, and you will suddenly realize there is liberty. Amen. Only the strong can submit. The weak cannot submit. Hallelujah. Okay. Only the strong can submit. The weak cannot (laughs) submit. So if you think I'm a rebellious man and a rebel, no, like a woman, you're a weak person. That's all. I'm talking about God's order coming under God's word. Only the strong can. Mm. The strongest man who ever walked on earth was Jesus Mm. Christ. And we saw Philippians. Came under, 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 under. That takes incredible strength. Strength. Incredible. He's the man who learned how to tap the entire power of the Holy Spirit, bring his life under the submission of his father, and he's the one who walked in perfection from the beginning till the end. Mm. Okay, that's what the Bible is talking about. So I hope the child who wrote it is happy and. So do you want to take question three or do you want to take question two? Let's take three. Oh boy. I was born a homosexual. Is that true? Nope. I believe that, he says. And from the, from the age of two, I was sodomized by my own uncle. He told me I am gay. No. He told you. First you were sodomized at two. And, uh, he told you. Okay, first. That's why you think you were. Nobody's born gay. Nobody's born gay. Nobody. I mean, then uh, you may have tendencies that does not make you. And but when the society takes becomes permissive, what happens is you are not even allowed to say that tendency is wrong. Tendency is wrong. That's what is happening now by legislation. You are not even allowed to say or teach that you can come out of it. And it's moon. Yeah, it is moved to what you call now gender fluidity and all this junk. But it is not true. Nobody is born that way. Nobody is born that way. Nobody is that born that way. God did. God made us male and female. Okay, God made and male and female. Because when you are talking about homosexuality, one of the fundamental things of homosexuality about sexuality. One of the fundamental things of sexuality is. Sexuality's one of its primary purpose is procreation. Primary purposes, if you look at it, one of the fundamental purposes of of uh, sex or sexuality, sex is procreation. Okay, everything else in a relationship can happen without sex. You can have oneness, closeness, all those things. Nice, friendship, everything. But if you want to birth a child, you need to have sex. So when you have a homosexual union, it goes against nature and God's order. So it is not possible. 
It's not possible. Hmm. The fundamental part is denied in it. It's denied in it. So when that fundamental part is denied in it, then you go to the next step and you marry, and then you go to the next step and adopt a child which is born because of the coming together of a male and a female seed together. So whatever you do, you cannot change that order. He can prop all this up. So the child grows up with two daddies or two mummies and all. It simply does not work. So you were not born a homosexual. You were not born gay. You were sodomized. That's And he told you to condone his own sin. To cover his own sin, he told you. And because you were sodomized at such a young age, you started also believing that you were gay. But you can come out. Ask God. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle and you will come out. You can be straight. You can be straight. You know? And even the words that we use, straight and... I mean, yeah. Sad part is that Though you use that term, they're never gay. Yeah, they're, they're never gay. Actually, if you meet them, they're very unhappy. Mm. They're not really gay. They're unhappy. What is the amount of trauma that they have to deal with? Is because it's not easy. Because I understand what is that? How is no, no. The trauma. You see, everything. Everything can be your your conscience can be, be changed. You need to realize your conscience. That's why they want to shut the church down. The Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches are the enemy of this entire group. A L G B. I say it starts with A. A L G B T Q R S T T L Z. This group, the Bible-believing church, is the problem. The others, the churches which have accommodated all this and still call them themselves a church, and they are not a church, but they take that name, then take the name of Jesus Christ. It's not a problem for them. We are the problem. And if that's what finally God will allow, that's what I said. Now, let us think about a situation where fire did not come down. God just took uh, Lord's family out. Right? So, that family knows, that town knows, in this town, there is one man who does not partake in this behavior. So, that's a threat. They tell him, you don't move, we will do to you something worse. So they know there is one man in the city who is not gay. Okay? So as long as that man is standing over there, he's still like a, I mean, only one man and he's not a visible testimony. He doesn't even speak these things out. So they continue their habit. But supposing you take that man out and no fire came out, they can continue their habits with no guilt. Hmm. No guilt. No guilt. No, it was the German Kaiser. Uh, and his uh, chaplain, some question that was going on, and the chaplain answered, uh, uh, Kaiser. He said, Kaiser, you shut down all the churches. Burn all the Bibles. Finish up all the Christians. But as long as one Jew is alive, he will stand up there and witness to you that there is a God. Yes. <laughs> Amen. The very existence is proof that there is a God. And he is the only God. Okay. So that is what he raised Israel for. And that is why the devil was after Israel to see that they became like the other nations. Okay. So a time will come. God will say, okay, you are very tired of my church. Who is standing? Okay, I will take her out. Now do what you want. Do what you want. I will leave you to yourself. Leave you to yourself. 
Okay, leave you to yourself. The worst thing that can happen to any nation, any community is where God leaves you to yourself. That's what Romans 1 is. He handed over, he handed over, he handed over, he handed over, he handed over. He hands them over. He hands them over. The worst thing that can happen. So, you need to realize it is not. That is what the entire agenda is about to Oh, that's why they have to change the laws. As long as a law is against something, guilt will come. Mm. Through the law, you have knowledge of sin. Right? Yes. As long as there, section, what, 377 or 277. As long as section thing is there, homosexuality is not allowed in India. So, you'll always know. It's a crime. When you're conscious, it is a sin. Once the sex section has been taken off, it's no longer a crime. If it's not a crime, it's not a sin. That's what the Bible says in the book of Daniel. What will he do? He will change, change the, the laws. laws. The Antichrist will change the laws. And the spirit of the Antichrist will change the laws. Once the law has changed, but the problem is that the laws can be changed. Now it is homosexuality is accepted norm, LGBTQ, all this same-sex marriage, all legalized, everything. But the problem is, as long as there is one church that preaches the truth, you will still feel guilty. Hmm. You'll still feel guilty. Okay, that was a problem with people like Jeremiah and all. As long as this fellow preaches, you know, I can't sleep. Just put him in the well or shut him up. Okay, shut him up. That's the issue. You have to stop it. Then when there is no more voice left, when the church is taken away, there is no more voice left. Which will tell you, you are right or you are wrong. There is no more voice. That's where the issue comes. So this man, whoever it is, no, you are not born that way. And you don't have to remain that way. And come out. That is a God who who made you, who says you are not that, and He will change you. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, would you want to take question number four? Four. Okay. It's a long question. Let me read it out carefully. How do I get baptism if no one is willing to give me? I'm not mentioning her name. She's a young girl of 19 to 20 years. She was rescued. She was a sex traffic victim and was in the shelter home where I worked in some part of India. She was reunited with her family in some part of India. During her stay in our shelter home, she came to know about Christ. I got in touch with her lately. She shared she had accepted Christ with all her heart. And I can see through her posts on Facebook that she is on fire to share the gospel among the non-believers. She told me she wants to take baptism, but no church is willing to give her baptism. She shared her testimony with them. She said she is very hungry for God and she feels the churches do not preach much anything at all, not at all interested in sharing the gospel with the others and have made excuses not to baptize her. She went to the Presbyterian, to the Baptist, the local churches. She also contacted a layman fellowship. She may even made an effort to text the higher authority but she got no response. So she started digging in the internet to learn more about God. I've shared your links for Hindi messages to her. Her family is non-Christian, but pretty open and acceptable. She shares the gospel to her mother, dad, younger brother. They have started to listen and pray with her. But her family, like many others, take Jesus as one of the many gods. She doesn't want to become a burden for the family, so she takes tuition and helps her dad out. So kindly, please let us know what to do in her case. Wow, super. Can you imagine somebody wants to get baptized and no church is willing to baptize his child? (laughs) Okay. 
what I would say is just pray and trust God and wait. And uh, if nobody is still about to baptize you, when the lockdown, everything is over, come over here, I will baptize you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm. Okay, I will baptize you. Mm. Okay, like we keep saying, you know, many states baptism is banned. So we take tell children, cross over to the state where it is not bap- banned and baptize there. That's what we do. Finally, when baptism comes all over India, I said, we will hire a boat. 20 kilometers is India's territory. We will take you 20 meters, kilometers outside and baptize you in the sea and bring you back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Amen. We will not break the law, but we will keep the, yes, the word Lord. of God. Don't Hallelujah. worry. Hallelujah. Okay. Awesome. Mm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So we'll take the last question for the day. It yes. says, after people die, can they see us, hear us, or still be among us, but we cannot see them? If they are not here, are they in heaven? And what must they be doing there? Till judgment comes, what are they doing? So many people have prayed for my mom's healing, and we we went to so many healing services. Pastors, elders came to our house to pray for healing. Then why didn't God heal my mom and take her away, leaving me alone? Well... uh After people die, can they see us, hear us, or still among us, but we cannot see them? I don't want to get into that. That's a very, very... One thing I know is this. Only God is omniscient. Only God is omniscient. Even Satan has to go around Mm -hmm. to see. Mm -hmm. And he needs his hundred and million of his demons to get reports from everywhere and all. He is not omniscient. Only God is omniscient who can be everywhere at the same time. Okay. So when you talk about whether the dead people can see and all. uh, See and all. We don't know. I don't believe in it. That's why my issue with, uh, like when people say they pray to Mary, I ask them, is Mary God? Let us say one million Catholics are praying at the same moment to Mary. Which one does she hear? Hmm. And how does she hear one million prayers? How does she hear? Even an angel can't. Can't. They don't have that capacity. Only God has that capacity. Only God has. Only God has that capacity. So we need to realize this. You know, we need to realize this. That. that Because you will hear all kind of stories, spirits and these things and all. No, no. Because that's all comes from watching Ghost and that movie and all these things and all. No, people, we all watched in our wicked old days. We watched all that. No? And then those things, okay, the ghost must be around, you know. Until, you no, know, the, the Nirbhagya, that, you no, know, that hanging, you now the mother says, now her soul will have peace and she can go because revenge has been taken. Now, these are all different concepts, but this is not true. It is not true. Okay, it is not true. We know before Christ rose from the dead, Jesus talks about paradise and Abraham's bosom and hell. And this talks about a gulf between the two. Okay. And it does not say anything farther than that. There's a weird case of the spirit of Samuel coming up. But we do not know exactly what it is or it's a one time where God allowed 
him to come and tell. We don't know exactly what is necromancy primarily, so we don't want to put any mm. credence to necromancy. So we are not looking. There is no case anywhere in the Bible. No case anywhere in the Bible. We hear about what happened. Second, what they are doing, we don't know. One thing we know, they don't have their bodies. They are all waiting for their bodies. They are disembodied beings, meaning they have their soul, spirit, but they don't have their bodies. That body. What they are doing, we do not know, but we leave it to. We also see in the book of Revelation, the souls of those who are under the, the altar, altar crying, Lord, how long should we wait? God says, wait a little more. Some more people have to die and come. Wait a little more. Then about your mother's healing, uh, we do not know what are the reasons. There are many, many reasons why healing doesn't take place. Okay, Like we've been studying on healing mm. on, on different ways. There are different reasons why healing does not take place. There's so many reasons it could, doesn't take place. Or it could be the sovereign will of God that she needs to go. My only thing about people is this. If you are a Christian, true believer, and God being a good God, I always believe that God will try to take you at the best point of your life. Best point of your life. You may think, I wish I had lived longer, but I mean, that person but probably would have gone down. Would have gone down. You know? That's why everybody will talk about Hezekiah's prayer. As a prayer, it's fantastic. But he added 15 years. But then if you look in retrospect, wasn't it better he had died? Yeah. Did that 15 years? I mean, look at that. what happened in that 15 years. First, he opened up his treasury. God left him for a season to test him. He showed it all to the Babylon. Judgment came. Everything will be taken by Babylon. Next, he goes and creates a son called Manasseh, the most wicked son, king in Israel's history, who flooded Jerusalem. All this happened during those 15 years. So imagine when God said, put your house in order. He put his house in order and he died. History of Israel would have been different. Have different, no? So you all, like I said, one of the fundamental things to walk confidently in faith is in your heart. Always believe God is good. Even in the worst of worst situation in a believer's life, God does not change. He's still good. He's still good. That's why we praise Him. So even when death takes place, you have to realize it's a good God who took my mother home. My mother going ahead of time does not make God bad or his intent. He says very clearly, all the plans that I have for you is good. Okay, good. So we don't see what would have happened. No, we can't say why somebody did not get healed. We could ask, I mean, why didn't, why did Ezekiel, sorry, Elisha fall ill mm. and die of a sickness? Like, you know, we don't know. There are a lot of things which are hidden from us. You do not. The secret things belong to God. Okay, is there healing? Do I believe in healing? Absolutely, I believe. I believe in more than healing. You will hear part of it tomorrow. More than healing, I believe. Did Sammy fall asleep? Okay. Whole you know hurt, Sammy. Okay. 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 No, I believe. I believe. I will. I. One of the things we have to learn is little by little we have to learn. Do not limit God's hand. 
by your unbelief. It doesn't have to happen in your life. It yes. does not matter. Yeah. But that is not meaning everything I have read in the Bible, yes. I believe it is possible. Amen. Amen. I believe it is possible. No, otherwise you will limit God. Oh, how can it happen? Can God, can God? No, God can. No, God can. It's not can God, God can. So a child who lost your mother, let me tell you, God is good. Mm. He's good. Okay? And uh, if you are alone, wherever you are, pray you find a good church, a church where you will have a spiritual family and you are not alone. A good, good, because my church is full of, within quotes, orphans, single mothers, widows, all of them. And nobody is alone. Hallelujah. Nobody is alone. No, we take care of them. We, no, we take, I mean, we, we are there. We are there for them always. So nobody feels, only this pandemic, pandemic and the lockdown created a lot of this thing, but we all kept in touch with each other. And so I pray you will find a family of God and then God will give you a family of your own. We'll close with that, Pastor Vijay. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, this evening. I pray for the cries of people's hearts, O Lord. The child who was rescued from the brothel wants to get baptized. No church is willing to baptize her. Mm. A young man who was sodomized at the age of two, Lord, thinks he is gay, was told he is gay. He's not. I pray, Lord, that you would touch him and who would deliver him. Wives, O Lord, struggling in their homes, They believe, they feel their husbands don't appreciate them. To every prayer, every question, there is only one answer. It's Christ Jesus. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the comforter. He's the one who appreciates us. Even when husbands forgets wives, wives forgets husbands, mothers forgets children, you never forget us. You said in your word, Lord, even if your mother forgets a weaning child, you do not. Your word says, so Lord, your thoughts towards us cannot be counted. Amen. And I pray all these dear ones who asked and others who are listening will first find their security in God, in Christ. Their security, their comfort, their oneness with Christ. And then they will be able to handle their lives, their homes, once they know and they are content in God's love for them then they will be able to give to others without expecting and even if nothing comes back they won't be dissatisfied men and women they will be satisfied because you fill our lives you said in your word open your mouth wide and I will fill you with good things you are a God who fills our life every day Lord there's so many miserable women in marriages, so many miserable men in marriages, so many miserable children in homes. I prayer is, Lord, every one of them would have a genuine encounter with Christ Jesus. Yeah. And they would be full. They would be complete. They would complete. Like Mary Magdalene, Lord, seven demons, yeah. used, abused. Oh, Father. She was the one standing at the garden after everybody had left looking for your body because she knew 
There was one person where she was secure and comforted. It was in your presence. So you revealed yourself to her, O oh Lord. And I pray everyone will have a merry experience, O oh Lord. Mary Magdalene experience in their life. When God sees that thirsting heart, that hungry heart, he will reveal himself. You stop between heaven and earth and you revealed yourself. You still had work to finish in heaven, but you stopped that work to reveal yourself to a hungry, thirsty soul. You are the same God. And I pray, Lord, you will comfort all these children, Lord, wherever they are. Thank you, thank you, Father. Come in the rest of the night here, rest of the day in other parts of the world into thy hands. Meet your children at their point of need. Some are not well. I pray for my brother Lynn, Lord. I pray that you reach out and you touch him even now, Lord. Touch him. Touch him, Lord. Touch him. Send forth your word and heal him of his infirmity, Lord. All the others, Lord. Brother C, Brother Mike, touch them. Strengthen their bodies. President Trump, touch his body, touch his mind. Strengthen him. Getting back on the campaign trail, Lord, strengthen him, Lord. Strengthen him and anoint his lips, Lord. Touch all the others, Lord, so many. You are the healer. Meet them at their point of need, Lord. If you tarry to come tonight and you give us another day in the land of the living, when we are in your house, we believe and we pray your presence would be there, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.